Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the podcast Just Lose the Glasses. I'm here with Borland, Andrew. Say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Hello. And I am uh, Joe. Power to the people, in fact. There's not multiple people listening to this, so power no. to the person. <laughs> um, but yeah, welcome back. It's episode number 10 and it's a very exciting topic today. A topic we're both, both, both wow, it is late, mm. <laughs> that we are both very passionate about. Um, so let's kick off with some news. Let's jump straight in, shall we? You ready for it, Joe? I'm ready. Bong! Hugh Laurie joins Catch-22 miniseries, which will be made by George Clooney. Bong! Colin Trevorrow to, to direct Jurassic World 3. Jurassic World 2's not even out yet, yeah. Is that it? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Can we go back to the first one? There's Hugh Laurie. Sorry, sorry. Bong! Helen Mirren thinks stunt performers should get Oscars. <laughs> and I for one agree with her. No, I don't, I don't really care. Uh, anymore? Is it? That's it, yeah. Right, can we go back to the first one? Yeah, you, looked, Laurie... in, you looked interesting. Yeah, yeah. The Hugh... eyebrows went straight <laughs> up. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hugh Laurie to be in Catch-22 series yeah. with George Clooney. Yeah, he, George Clooney's making the series. He's running it, but he might be in it as well. All right. Do you know Do you know anything more details? So that, oh, you know. um, it's based on the book of the same name. by Joseph Heller, yeah. yeah. Um, Hugh Laurie's in it. And it's been um, led by George Clooney. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Is that it you got? I just read the headline. So, <laughs> like, yeah. so if you want people, more information. Other people's news. Yeah. yeah straight so from you. If you, want, if you want more information, just search Hugh Laurie, <laughs> Cast 22. And, you know, it'll all be there. Yeah, you, know? you find Joe's article online, so. Yeah, yeah. The headline. I've written a headline. <laughs> it goes, Hugh Laurie joins Cast 22 miniseries made by George Clooney. It's not that catchy, but it's got all the information that you mm. need. Have you read no. Catch? Okay. No. Oh, okay. Have you read it? I have, yeah. yeah. That's good. What's it, what's it about? Give us, a, give us a brief little... It's about American army bombers in World War II. Mm. And do they have a situation where either way they choose, it won't be good for them? Yeah, so basically they're trying to prove that they're... A bit of a Catch 22. Exactly, mate. Yeah. They're mm. trying to prove that they're mad mm. so they can go home. But if they're trying to prove they're mad, they can't be mad. Mm, yeah, we're all but mad. If, down, and then right? if they if they turn out to be mad, then they can't know they're mad. Therefore, they can't be sent home. So it's mm. like a catch twenty two. Bit of a catch twenty two. Bit of a catch twenty two. You would say almost. Yeah. Difficult situation that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a really good, sort yeah. of like satirical book. Yeah, I intend to read it. It's not on my shelf, but mm. I intend to read it. Maybe I'll watch the the mini series first. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for that. That might put us off. So I might not read it. So, but no, let's move on to the main topic. To the main topic, which I know we're both very excited about. So. You know, as if by accident, this is coming up, you know, it's concurrent with the release of his latest film, Isle of Dogs. That's right. This week's topic, Where's Anderson? Wesmond. Yeah. So should we start by talking about Isle of Dogs? You know, it's, it's the most it's the latest bit of film, news. Yep, yeah, certainly. So you kick us off. Because we had actually, we had different opinions on this. I well, think. we came out of the cinema and very little was said. Yeah, we way. wanted to save it. We wanted mm. to save the juicy, good quality stuff for today. So okay, I'm hyping it. So, you know, it's going to be, <laughs> it's, 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 it best be good. Okay, we'll put it... We're sitting very close. Sorry, mate. Sorry, yeah. sorry. I can Get your you. arm from around my shoulders. I can feel <laughs> breathing on me. Okay, so yeah, I would say the the first thought I had was you can tell this is a Wes Anderson film. <laughs> yeah, right at the beginning it goes, written and directed <laughs> by, by Wes Anderson. Wesmond. Wesmond <laughs> <laughs> from Jesmond. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, but like, no, obviously, like the sort of the, the squareiness it's, it's very of the square. mise-en-scene yeah. and like the... Sort of the symmetry, mm-hmm. and even just the dialogue, like the, the gaps they leave in, like the sentences, like yeah. it's just so Wes Anderson. Oh, it is. It's 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 quintessentially Wes Anderson. But it's okay. What did you, what did you think of it first of all? What was I that? enjoyed the film. I had the same feeling I have with every Wes Anderson film. I come out like enjoying the film, but I don't know why. Mm-hmm. So like, there's there's always like, something about it that I like. And yeah. I'm like, do you think it's the the symmetricalness of it? It's like. It just it works in your brain. It's like that was symmetrical, and your brain's just yeah, like, yeah. like that is right. It's very tidy and neat. It is. It's very Japanesey as well. Mm. One of the things I say, right? So obviously, 
if you don't know nothing about the film, it's a stop motion film, mm-hmm. like Fantastic Mr. Fox. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. everything in the everything on the set, like everything you see on the screen, has been like fabricated. So like you've got like hay. It's wood. not real. This didn't actually happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's got like like hay and wood and like stones and like pineapple rings and all dogs. Not real dogs, sadly, but bits of dogs that are used to make all the bits of the things you see oh, on the I screen. See, I see what you were going for there. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so like none of it obviously is like live action and none of it is animated either in that sense it's stop motion so yeah. everything's like a bit of material is used to make like puppets yeah. and all that kind of stuff yeah. so it's no, really cool none of it's computer generated yeah exactly so they've put loads and loads of effort into this film it's the longest stop motion film of all time and it's like less than an hour and a half yeah. um, but there's so much detail crammed into every single shot yeah. however it still felt really simple it did there's yeah. there no point you're like overwhelmed by like so much going on on the screen it was yeah. all very simple and sort yeah. of nice yeah shall we run through what the story was go for it sort of adding on to your point about it being simple this is one of the not a criticism but for me I don't know maybe it's just because all of his films you know I've loved all of his films I I really like this film Mm. but the story seemed a bit predictable to me Okay, you know the way there was there was a journey and then they got to where they wanted to go and then there was a big third act it was you know I feel like I could have predicted it with enough bits of information Mm. from the third act from the first act I mean I probably could have gone well this is this the, is where it's going to go. The film, yeah. yeah. Um, not to say that's necessarily a bad thing. I also thought, I don't know if it was because it's, this is the first Wes Anderson film I've seen in the cinema. And all of the trailers beforehand were all kids' films and they all looked rubbish. So I don't know, maybe I was skewed about that, but it felt like the most kid-friendly Wes Anderson film I've seen. Mm. Um, there didn't seem really as much humour for the adults. Whereas with Fantastic Mr. Fox, which obviously we've mentioned, was his other animated film... Um, there seemed to be more adult humour. I don't mm. know, maybe, maybe I'm misremembering, but... So, yeah, I had... It, it, it was good, but... Like I, said, I mean, the adult humour, there was one... There was one particular thing which I laughed my head off at. What was it? So, like, um, obviously, if, if the word for a female dog is a, is a bitch. Mm-hmm. And they referred to the dogs as bitches quite a lot. Yeah. I was talking to this bitch the other day. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny. Oh, but yeah, there is obviously... Um, and when, you, when you've got Bill Murray and Jeff Goldblum and all yeah. that... Bringing you know, the comedy hits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, what was the story? The story is so basically, there's it's set sometime in the, the near future in, mm-hmm. in Japan in um, Nagasaki, was it? Uh, Megasaki was the name. It was a fictional. Oh, really? Was it? Yeah, Megasaki. Yeah. Okay, right. So I uh, think Nagasaki would have been a bit inappropriate. I didn't call it Nagasaki. Yeah. Um, so basically, there's this guy called um, oh, I've forgotten his name. What's his name? Kobayashi. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's Mayor that's Kobayashi. Yeah, yeah. So he has uh, sort of expelled all the dogs from the city because apparently they hate dogs. Yeah. We're not actually told why they hate dogs, but they hate dogs. Oh, yeah. because actually we're told why. His- there was the some history. historical reason why dogs are the biggest enemies of humans. Yeah. I thought cats were going to play a big role. I thought it was going to turn up like yeah. like in Cats and Dogs where the cats are the Because <laughs> like the first... Voiced like, by Michael J. Fox. Oh yeah, like the, the first... Is he, does he voice the cat? <laughs> yeah. Does he? Yeah. Um, the first, like, act, like, like all the humans, the bad humans... They've always got like a cat on them, or there's like a cat picture mm. or something. I thought there was going to be like a like, robots stripping. with cats controlling oh, them or something. Guy's stripping a white cat. Yeah. Um, oh, drop my phone. Yeah. It's gonna play. I can't. Live I, can't I can't reach it. Talk, maybe maybe talk. it's best. Joe, if you have your phone in your hand. Ah, there we go. Back on track. Sorry. Back yeah, on. Track. So basically, Mayor Kobayashi has banned all the dogs and he's banished them to Trash Island. Mm. Is that a fictional place as well? No, no. That's a real place. It's one of the islands of Japan, is it? No, no. I think it's called Australia. <laughs> anyway, any Australian listeners? We're not sorry. <laughs> There's no Australian. Let's go. On. Yeah, because we're definitely true. Yeah. Um, again, we're sorry. We're yeah. not sure. Not. Uh, if so, they all banished to Trash Island, and they're basically left to starve and fend for themselves. They're no longer domesticated. They're going to try and survive 
ordinary. The first dog that's put over there is called Spots. And um, basically, we, the very start of the film, we're following the dogs, like they're all called like Chief and Buck and all that kind of stuff. And um, they Chief see, and what? Uh, Buck. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. like strong, manly alpha <laughs> yeah. dog names. Yeah. Um, and they, they find this kid who's crashed uh, an aeroplane and he's looking for his dog Spots. Yeah. And he's actually the mayor of Kobashi's son. Yeah. And the journey is sort of him trying to find Spots yeah. all the way through it. And, yeah. So. And so in in this group of dogs, we have sort of um, obviously five or six dogs. Edward yeah. Norton's one of them. Yeah, um, Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Goldblum, Bill Murray, Bill Murray, uh, Brian Cranston, Brian Cranston. He plays the the sort of the chief, the, the chief one, of them. Yeah. He's called Chief. Yeah, he, he's the stray. Like the rest of them were domesticated. He wasn't right. And the whole thing is that he he doesn't listen to orders. So the kid is sort of ordering the dogs around because they're all domesticated. They're like yes, whatever, and they're loving like getting stroked and all that kind of stuff and dog biscuits. Whereas he is like no. I'll yeah, do it. Bites. He does it, but he doesn't. He says, "I'm doing this not because you're telling me to do it, but because I want to." Yeah, because I feel sorry for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, but then he very quickly turned around, right? Know, so, which was quite predictable. Was yeah, after a bit of sort of love, he and a, and a bath. And a bath yeah. yeah, he became a nice dog after all, and it turns out he's actually really into spots. Yeah, sorry for the spoiler. Let's yeah what yeah whatever we we've got a habit of on this yeah we just we don't even give spoiler warnings we just, yeah, we just, just assume like there's gonna be yeah. and then they find spots and this is one of the issues I had and I've I've read a couple of people saying the same things is the moment he is reunited with spots it should have been like a emotional moment but it just wasn't it was like oh there's these spots well here's the thing where's where's Anderson like he doesn't do like overt emotion it's always like sort of yeah it's yeah introverted emotion it is yeah but I, the whole the whole point of the film. For the first two thirds, is to find this dog, and I felt like there could have been something yeah, a bit yeah. more. I don't know. Maybe it's very Wes Andersony, but yeah. maybe they could have had something like they had in the Royal Tenenbaums, where Margot meets um, when she gets off the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to meet. Yeah, but we'll come to that. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Who's Margot? Yeah, um, I love her. Um, no, nah, she's alright. <laughs> um, Chris Martin. What's in the box? It's a same actress. Yeah, Brad Pitt. Right, anyway, so then they, so yeah, they get all the, the dogs together, and there's robot dogs, because they needed a villain. Um, yeah, so the robot dogs are basically the replacement of ordinary dogs by Mary Kobayashi. Yeah, you'd think it would have been cats, that would have been good. Yeah, that's actually one thing that didn't really make much sense, because why would you want a robot dog? No, it wouldn't catch on. No. But anyway, so they then sail over to the mainland, and then they just kind of appeal to people's... Good nature, and they, yeah, there's a like, there's a big press conference, and there's a ginger kid with an afro. Oh, this ginger girl who <laughs> Greta Gerwig, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah she's like. Oh no, it's Scarlett Johansson does that one, is it? No, no, it's not. No, she's the dog. No, yeah. she's she's the dog. Um, so yeah, Greta Gerwig's character is like this American student who's studying in Japan, and she's like making a ruckus yes. at, at the marriage press conference and she's trying to overtake it, and then the dogs march in, and mm. you see their shadows first, obviously. Yeah, yeah, and they come in, and then like as a scramble. Yeah, and then well, they win. Yeah, they yeah. win. They win the scramble against the robot dog yeah. because Spot's such a good fighter. Mm. And then uh, they can manage to convince everybody who previously was against them to join on their side and allow the dog back in again. Yeah, very easily done. Yeah, that well, yeah. Um, but okay, so let's we'll talk about a bit about what I didn't like. But what I did like was the language part of it. Mm-hmm. So all of the humans they speak Japanese. There's there's no. Um, you know they speak Japanese there's no English subtitles really the dogs speak English so you can understand them but it's really clever because for most of the time you don't know what the kids say and you don't know what the Japanese people are saying but they have in in what's the word like in film things to explain so they've got translators mm. they've got Trans- uh, yeah um, they've got, I can't, I can't, like, they've got like 
There is some subtitles that when when some of them are on TV within the film. Yeah, so sometimes like someone will have like a poster up and it'll have something in Japanese and then like on their poster they'll have in brackets to what it is in English. Yeah, <laughs> so there was clever ways within it. I thought that was really good that they actually stuck to it being Japanese the whole time. I thought that was really clever. It'll put some kids off, I think. They won't enjoy it as much. Mm. Um, but no, good film, you know. Yeah, I think so. Um, what would you give it out of 10? Uh, I would give it a 7.4. I'm not doing points, I would say. 7. <laughs> seven. I would give it also a 7, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I liked about it, obviously, was the cast. I mentioned that already. Great cast. Yeah. Um, there's even people I haven't mentioned, like Lee Schreiber's in there. What was the, the Jeff Goldblum thing you were telling me? Jeff Goldblum. So he his character... Um, oh, no, sorry, no, yeah. Jeff Goldblum, he couldn't make it to the filming. You might have seen this. but So what he did instead was um, he rang up Wes Anderson and did his lines over the phone. Yeah, and you told me this before the film, and I thought he would have like one or two lines, but he's got like, not loads, but he's got like maybe ten lines, so like quite yeah. substantial things, and like, you can't tell it's over the phone. So. <laughs> no, you can tell. Yeah. Like, most of his lines start with, I heard this rumour there. Yeah, that was his character's <laughs> shtick. Um, okay, so that's Isle of Dogs. Mm. Um, should we work backwards, or should we just, should we should we do what we normally do and just randomly talk about <laughs> it? Because that seems to be the thing that we do. No, I think we should be very strict with ourselves too, and start from the very beginning okay. with Bottle Rocket. Okay. It's good, I enjoyed it. Next one? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the Wilson brothers. It's, probably, it's got Luke Wilson in his second best role. Yeah, it was, it was co-written by Owen Wilson. Wow. Wildcat, yeah, um, it's good. It's the least Wes Anderson-y as well. Like, it, it, you could you could watch it and go, "Oh, that's just a normal film." Because mm. there's, there's not there's not much. Sim- I, I watched the interview right, and Wes Anderson said that he he like after he made this film, he thought he was like amazing. Like, I can't believe it. this is a brilliant film. Yeah. The first screening was out in Santa Monica, like yeah. downtown, yeah, and like people walked out really, yeah. and like they all had scorecards. Yeah, it's like a it's like a pre like sort of um, cinema yeah. screening. They all had scorecards, and like those he got back. They're like sucked. Was rubbish. Really boring. Yeah. They had one one single one out of four hundred viewers who said like, "Yeah, this is great. Best film I've seen in ages." And you know, yeah. like, really, and, like everything she said. Apart, he's wrote an essay. Like he's like, "You've absolutely got this film." Like, one yeah. person, and that one person, he convinced the production company to go ahead with it because that one person. Really? Read. Yeah. And like obviously, it got made. Yeah. And uh, he said that he met her again a couple of years time, and like he's like, "Thank you so much." <laughs> and that woman was Francis. No, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. I really like it. It's one. Of, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's, good. it's a good little yeah. story. Yeah. I like the, the Wilson Brothers, obviously great. Yeah, it's yeah. quite a simple story, and mm. it, I suppose it depends on what you're going and expecting. Yeah, you know? I mean, it does have some sort of traditional sort of Wes Anderson things about it. Yeah, like yeah. The dialogue is obviously very oh, Anderson. Yeah. The music. Visually, it's different. Though. That's, mm. Yeah. He doesn't have the sort of the symmetry that he usually has. And all kinds but of he, stuff. he hasn't perfected his craft at this point. You yeah. can see him over time sort of perfecting mm. it. And I'd say he perfected in Grand Budapest Hotel, mm. which we'll come to. Are we giving it a rating, Bottle Rocket, now? Go or? for it, yeah. Well, the thing is, though, if we give it ratings, then when we come to our rankings, it's not going to make sense. Because, you know, <laughs> it might not line up, do you know what I mean? It's fine, good, anyway. Okay. Seven. Because <laughs> this, there's no... There's, but it is a seven. My, it's a seven for me as yeah. well. Yeah. But there is gradients. It's better than Isle of Dogs for me. Okay, it's better. Okay, right. Rushmore. My least favourite Wes Anderson film. I'm shocked to hear that, Joe. But I like, I like them all. It's just that the standard... No, actually, Isle of Dogs is my least favourite. My second least favourite. But the standard's high. You know, mm. the standard is high. You you, you talk about Rushmore. I like Rushmore like quite a lot. It's my th- I put it number three on my list. Okay. Um, it's obviously got Jason Schwartzman, mm-hmm. Bill Murray, and I've actually forgotten the name of the lady who plays. Yeah, she's, she's really good. Actually, famous. she's really good though. Yeah, uh, sure. It's basically about this kid. Uh, I think he's called Rushmore. Is it? No, that's a school. He's called Max something. Yeah, he's got a funny name anyway. Max Rushmore. 
basically, he is this really posh kid who should be at a really posh school, mm. but he ends up at this sort of state school, right? Yeah. And like he's making clubs. Yeah, he's like, don't worry, guys, I have a club for you. He's yeah. an archery club and like a literary yeah. club. Yeah. And they're like, thanks, you're you're he, flunking all your classes, but you're making clubs. He's not very <laughs> likable. Yeah, yeah, he's like our friend. Well, I say friend. <laughs> What, what's Sam. his name? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He yeah. won't be listening. It's fine. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. yeah. But yeah, he sort of he has like he's not very good academically, but he's really good at sort of just making other things about skills. So he does like all these things on the side, like drama club and poetry club, all kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, the story is he kind of falls in love with his teacher, and like he's con- he do? he's convinced that she does him too, but she's like, no, no, I really don't. Yeah. And then he kind of finds out that Bill Murray and her are going together, and Bill Murray's his best friend, despite yeah. being like fifty years older. Yeah. And yeah. I, mean, I don't know how he doesn't get it. He's like 15 and the, these two adults are of a similar age. Yeah. And I don't know. It was it was all right. Seven. I, I'd give that one an eight. A solid eight. What's next? What did he make? Royal Tenenbaums. The right. Royal Here Tenenbaums. we go. Right. Well, now we're in the quality. This is this is the second best Wes Anderson film. And it's all, literally only just only just second. Like mm. It's like 1% behind Grand Budapest for me. Yeah. Yep. It is... The best, second best, but no, I think it's 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 almost peak Wes Anderson. It's a great, great story about a quirky family. It, it's so quirky. I just, I just love it. I think it's great. Best Ben Stiller performance I've seen. Um, the music's fantastic. The music's fantastic. Like, this this of, is where he perfects his craft. I yeah, think. Yeah. yeah, you've got a bit of Nico in there. You've got some uh, Paul Simon. Yeah, put the brilliance. Yeah, actually, there's some scenes in this film that you might have seen not knowing it was the Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, like there's a famous scene where they're on go karts driving through New York. Um, it's Gene Hackman and the kids. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't seen it in about a year. So okay, yeah. so yeah, yeah, that's like a famous scene. You always, you, you yeah. probably see people have done that again. Yeah, and this is where he sort of um gets a lot of his recurring actors. Is where you sort of see them start mm. to recur. Bill Murray obviously comes back. Yeah. Owen Wilson, Luke Wilson, um, Angelica Houston. No, yeah. Um, so there's you know, yeah. And actually, he's I do have a lot to say about a bit film, of trivia for you, Joe. Right, so did you notice that in the Isle of Dogs, there's a slide that the kid goes on? Do you remember the name of the slide? No, what was it? It was called the Pagoda Slide. Really? And that's pa- the name of pagoda the... Pagoda is the name of the, the um, the, butler? Like, yeah. There's a restaurant up in Sunderland called Pagoda. <laughs> always, every time I drive past, it reminds you me of that. You walk in, he's like, I'm, you got to counter. Yeah. <laughs> or no, you got Yeah. And this is a film as well. I think a theme of Wes Anderson is um, he, he does quite serious subjects like death and things mm. like that. But in a in a way that doesn't feel too heavy, because obviously, I mean, spoiler: Gene Hackman's character dies at the end, but he's he's quite old, mm. um, and, he, and he's a, an estranged father, and he hasn't been very nice with his kids. But he sort of comes back and he sort mm. of makes it up to them and makes an effort. And yeah, it's quite a sad subject, but does it in quite a comedic. I would actually say as well, one of the other themes of actually, no, I'd say there's two major themes that come into this as well from what Anderson is family. He loves talking about family. A lot of his films are about sort of family or yeah. things. And one of them is sort of like fantasy. So like someone who has like a fantasy about themselves is just not true. Yeah. So yeah. Also, um, there's all in almost every film he does. There's a lo- love interest to two of them, who like you would like they're just weird together. Mm. Like you wouldn't think like Margot and what's what's Luke Wilson's character? I forgot his name. Is it Richie, or is that the other one? Richie Tenemo. Anyway, Luke yeah. Wilson's character. They fall in love and they are brother and sister but not like genetically. Yeah. And then it's the same as like Rushmore, Max falls in love with the, mm. do you know what I mean? And Luke Wilson falls in love with the clean and it, it's always like something that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. So, But yeah, um, Gene Hackman has a 
vision of himself that he's not. Yeah, not just Gene Hackman. I'd say all of them almost have a little idea of themselves that they're not. Even yeah. Owen Wilson's character, who's this famous oh, actor, definitely, yeah. but like he, he thinks he's a star, but really everyone sort of takes the mic out of him a bit. Yeah. So when I first time I watched this, um, maybe I would say maybe potentially the most memorable scene for me, um, and and I wasn't like I wasn't losing interest in the film by any means, but a scene that made us sit up and go, "What?" It's when uh, Luke Wilson's character sort of each such like shaves his head, and then he just like tries to kill himself. Yeah, so like he, just like with no preamble, no, you don't see it coming at all. Yeah, he's just he's just casually shaving his, his he shaves his head. He has long hair and his big beard. Yeah, so he shaves his head. Yeah, so he, he shaves his beard and then just takes the razor blade to his hand. And, yeah, and, so you're sort of thinking like, oh, he's um, you know, he's he's cutting his hair, he's he's, he's becoming more mature or whatever, and he just tries to kill himself, and you're like. Mm-hmm. What like out of yeah. nowhere and like it's not that I wasn't paying attention I was I was enthralled with the film but that made me like sit up and I was like, yeah, like that, wow that, I mean you can watch that scene by itself and it's just it's yeah. really great yeah um, and I, th- I think this is Luke Wilson's best performance that I've seen I mean mm. he's not in that much but this yeah, is yeah. this is peak mm. peak him definitely and there's some there's some great dialogue in the film as well there's yeah. some really hilarious lines like the, one of the characters and I've forgotten his name but Bill Murray is like a psychiatrist or a mm. psychoanalyst and he's got a patient mm-hmm. who he's testing. And um, like the the patient is like got this weird, um, I guess it's some sort of disorder anyway. Yeah. But like there's a press conference, and the question is, can the boy tell time? And he goes, Good heavens, no! <laughs> <laughs> like, but, right, we'll we'll come on to this again. But Bill Murray is never better than when he's in a Wes Anderson. <laughs> like, he is never better. Okay, mm. out of ten, what are you giving this one? Nine. Yeah, nine as well. But it's like a high nine. Like mm. it's close to a ten for me. This is yeah. this is a great film. Next, what what was his next film? I believe it was Dark like, Geeling, or was it, it Life Aquatic? Life Aquatic, yeah. Okay. I think it was, I mean, it doesn't matter. I'll go with Life Aquatic. I think it was Life Aquatic. Yeah. I did not enjoy this film first time I watched it. It's overly long, and it hasn't got a story. <clears throat> it hasn't got a story. You start watching it going, well, is there a plot? Like, he's trying to find the shark. That's what he says, states at the beginning, and at the end he finds it. But, like, the middle bit, he's not really bothered about the shark. Right, yeah, so the, for me, what this story is about is... Bill Murray trying to live up to the fantasy. Yes. Okay. So yeah, he's this sort of famous sailor who's, who makes these documentary type films about his exploits, and he has this amazing cast and crew who are all around him. And everything is like his life is like a movie set yeah. because he's constantly making these documentaries. And the question he always asks is, "Does this seem like real life, yeah. even though it is real life?" Yeah. So he's it's kind of like he's trying to make his life match up to the quality of the documentaries he's making. Yeah. But so like so when I watch I haven't I haven't watched it since but thinking about it afterwards it's gone up a lot in my estimations mm. I've sort of you know mulled over when I first watched it I was watching it with someone incredibly negative <coughs> Jamie Clarkson um, so he was sort of bringing it down but thinking about it again like it, it's it's not about the plot it's about the character it's about it's about Steve Zissou do you know what I mean and he's yeah. like also when you think Wes Anderson. Steve Zissou is the character with his blue sort of jumpsuit and his red hat, like it's the, so like just like Smurfs, yeah. exactly like it's like straight away. That's what you think of. Mm. Um, so this this film has jumped way up in my estimations. Yeah. So one of the, the scenes that absolutely unlocks the film for me is the very very end. So the very end, oh. Bill Murray sitting with this little kid on top of the stairs, oh, no, yeah. and it's like outside an award ceremony, mm-hmm. and he's just sitting chatting away to the kid, and then. The, the ceremony ends and everyone comes out and as soon as he sees everyone coming out he grabs the kids and grabs the kid rather and puts them over his shoulders and starts yeah. walking down the steps and everyone's like oh wow look at Steve Zissou yeah. with this kid you're like yeah. so they're like he's putting on a show for the rest yeah. of the world and he wants his life to sort of match up to that yeah. image he's made for me the scene I thought you were going to see is the scene for me which is like right at the end I'm pretty sure when they go down in the submarine and he's got all these characters so basically we should probably prep this Owen Wilson is his long lost son mm. And towards well, the end, he might be. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the, the role he plays. Towards the end, he dies. 
So, you know, the, the crux of this story is Steve Zissou thinks he wants this certain thing to find the shark and be, you know, sort of reignite his career, so to speak. But actually, what he needs all along is his son, so to speak, and the family and realises he doesn't mm. need all this fame. But, so his son dies, and when they're actually in the submarine and there's him and there's there's about six people around him, all these sort of secondary characters, his, his ex-wife, um, the... What's Kate Blanchett's character, Willem Dafoe's character, all these people who've been in the film. And he finds the shark, he's down there, and he sort of just sort of starts crying because it's because he's lost his son. Do you know what I mean? He's found this thing he thought he wanted, but he's realised what he actually wanted and needed was his son. Yeah. And they all just lay a hand on his shoulder. It's it's so it, it's brilliant acting from from Bill Murray. And I, I I would, you know, challenge you to find a scene where Bill Murray is better mm. than that scene, because I think it's just fantastic. Yeah, that scene alone, just thinking about like that makes the film for me. Do you know what I mean? I want to watch it again. Yeah. I, so it's it's brilliant. If you, it, any of these films, because Wes Anderson's actually quite a niche director. We mm. watch, we've seen all of them, but if you haven't seen any of them, check them out. Like they are brilliant. What would you say? Probably say this before we go to the rest of them. What would you say the one film that would be a good entry level Wes Anderson? It's between two. Um, I would I would say entry level Royal Tenenbaums. But I would say if you're looking for a film that just totally encapsulates what Wes Anderson is, I would say Grand Budapest. And it's probably the most easily accessible for people. It's, the, it's the most widely successful and heard yeah. of. But if you're looking for less of maybe less of a quirky one, you know, you want to build up to something as quirky as Grand Budapest, I would say Royal Tenenbaums. Mm. It's also got a lot of actors people recognise, so that might be... I would, I would honestly say, for Life Aquatic... As much as we both loved it, I would say if I had watched that film first, yeah, I wouldn't have gone any further. Yeah, yeah. I, I would look. I would say if anyone's not seen them and wants to start off, Royal Tenenbaums, Grand Budapest, and maybe Fantastic Mr. Fox is the entry level ones. If you watch Moonrise Kingdom, Darjeeling, or any of the other ones we mentioned, you'll probably be put off. Hmm. You've got to sort of build up to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'd be like watching Quentin Tarantino and starting with the Hateful Eight. Do you know what I mean? You think, oh, it's overly long, it's overly violent. You got to start with yeah. Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. But Life of Quarter, what are you giving it out of 10? I'd give it an 8. I would also. It was a 6 or a 7 for me, but having mulled over it, mm. in fact, having just thought about it just now with that scene at the end, it's it's a, it's a solid 8. Yeah. Actually, when I watched Life Aquatic, the first time I watched it, I came away thinking, what have I just watched? Exactly, it the yeah. Weirdest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. But over the next few days, as I thought about it and sort of rewatched a few clips, I realised it was actually a really good it's, film. It's, it's, yeah. it's genius. Also, the thing that is quite off-putting for me the first when I watched it, most of his films are around the 90 minute sort of mark. Yeah. This one is almost two hours long. Mm. So it, it towards longer, this, yeah. it, it, at some points in the middle, it does sort of drag a little bit. I think like the story does stall um, and that's sort of to its detriment. But overall, it, it's a piece of art. And I think the same with all of his films. They are pieces of art mm. rather than, well, they are films, but yeah, Darjeeling. Yep. So Darjeeling Limited is the next film. It is. And it's Adrian Brody. Jason Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman and Luke Wilson again. Owen Wilson. It's Owen Wilson. I'm sure it's Luke Wilson. It's Owen Wilson. Is it? It's Owen Wilson. It is. Just trust okay. us. It's okay. Owen well, it's one of the Wilson brothers. It's anyway. Owen Wilson. Okay, well, it's one of the Wilson It's anyway. Owen Wilson. <laughs> okay. I promise it's Owen Wilson. I think it's Luke Wilson. But it's no. definitely all right. Well, it's one of us is going to be wrong, and I know it's you, so that's fine. <laughs> oh, okay, well, you could be right. Wow. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Actually, so okay. what's it about? Anyway, this was these three brothers who have been sort of. Estranged family. Yeah, they're definitely estranged. And they've gone in different ways, and then for the funeral of their father, they've come back together, and then they've gone from that to go meet their mother in India. Yes. So and they're on um, a train called the Darjeeling Limited. They're on a train called the Darjeeling Limited. I'm sure it's Luke Wilson, mate. Gonna be honest, it's Owen Wilson. I promise. Okay. You. Right, hang on. You 
Talk about Dodgy and I'll get it okay, over. Well, anyway, Jason Schwartzman's character, he's kind of fulfilling the way that I think of the fantasy because he has all these, he writes all these stories mm-hmm. and he kind of almost believes that he's the character in the stories and they're all true. Yeah. So he writes these fantasies down in his diary and they'll kind of find out that he's a bit strange. Yeah. And one of the things is he has all these sort of wild romances. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit in the film where he has this wild romance on the train with this waitress called, what, well, he calls her Sweet Lime. Yeah. And they just sort of like, I mean, there's like a bit of eye contact and next thing you know they're like sort of making out in the back of the train. It's Luke Wilson. It's Owen, <laughs> that's Owen Wilson. Oh, it is right. Sorry, he has a, <laughs> something over his head. I uh, so for ninety minutes watching this film, you're going, "Wow, wow!" <laughs> this is a great old uh, Luke Wilson performance. I'm thinking, why are you saying that one's the best one? Yeah, okay, there we go. It's Owen Wilson. Right. Um, then, so yeah, he has this r- romance with the the Indian girl. And you kind of believe that maybe he is this kind of person. Yeah. But then they find out that a lot of what he's saying is absolute nonsense, yeah. and he's sort of living in his head. Yeah. Uh, anyway, these three brothers travel across India uh, on this train mm-hmm. uh, to find their mother, Angelica Houston, isn't it? Yeah. This is one of them films as well. It's it's quite similar to Life Aquatic in that there isn't really a story. Do you know what I mean? It's just about these three guys going across. There's no, like, obviously they're going to meet the mother, but there's no, like, we have to get this, we have to do this. They just kind of amble across. Um, and this is the first time, I think it's the same with Isle of Dogs. I think Wes Anderson's fascinated with other cultures. And this film is like a love letter to Indian culture, mm. where Isle of Dogs is a love letter to Japanese culture. And I'd be interested to see if he does that again with another film, where it's specifically... Yeah for a specific culture. Um, and that's one of the main things I love about this film is the little sort of glimpse into Indian culture and it's so immersive in well, Indian life. What do you think of the criticism that he has sort of painted over the poverty in India? Well, look, when you make a film, you don't have to, just because you're doing it about a specific thing doesn't mean you have to cover every aspect of something. Art is subjective. It's up to the artist, you know, what they want to do. And, you know, if, if you want to see a film about Indian poverty, there are other films out there. That if that's what you want to see, then this film's not for you. Hmm. Like every film doesn't have to be everything to everybody. So I think that's. Yeah. I, I don't like when people do that because just don't watch the film. I just do you know what I mean. Like yeah. it's, it's like it's like watching it's like watching Jaws and going, oh, there's not enough crocodiles in this film. You know, I'm, I'm a big yeah. crocodile fan. And yeah. it's, like, it's, it's overall, ludicrous. he's not making a point about poverty as much as it's a huge problem in India. He's making a point about these three brothers, and he's exactly. setting it in the place in the world. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I quite like the film. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I think the, for me on this film, the opening scene is the Bill best Murray. scene. Yeah. So Bill Murray, you just see him. Yeah, you might be wondering how Bill Murray is in this film. And he's briefly in it. <laughs> he's in it for about thirty seconds. You think he's the main character at the beginning, yeah. but he's not. It's just the oh, you see is him in the back of a cab, and he's like making sure the guy like make sure we get this 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 train. Yeah. And he's checking his watch. He's getting and a bit they, stressed. The, the cab driver's kind of driving a bit too slow for him. He's like, come on, come on, come yeah. on, come on. He gets out. He grabs like three cases and he's sprinting towards the train yeah. as it's driving off. Yeah. In the he background, all you hear is ding, 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 ding. This time tomorrow. Yeah. He misses the train. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's running for the thing, and his baggages are making him too slow. He can't quite catch the train. Yeah. And then thematic. Ooh, that comes back later on. So. Then there's a similar scene towards the end of the film where the right, three brothers right the end, are yeah. tracing the same train. Yeah, they've got onto it. Yeah, a train. Well, a train on the pretty much the same kind of area. Yeah. They're chasing the train, India. and they've got <laughs> it's in the same place, you know, India. Yeah. Like is that North Africa? I don't know. Yeah, um, it's a joke. It's not North Africa. No. Anyway, they're, they're chasing the train, and they can't quite reach it. So what they do is they drop their bags. And this annoyed run, me because they can run really fast. If you're a foreign there. country, don't drop your bags. Bad yeah. travel advice. Well, do not miss the train. There'll be another train. Right? <laughs> it's a slightly heavy metaphor. It is yeah, heavy-handed, like sort yeah. of. Because you know, I'm sure when they got baggage. on the train and were like, "Ah oh, man, <laughs> my phone was in the bag," like you know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, my wallet. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's it, thematically, it's fine. I yeah. suppose. I, I mean, it's an enjoyable picture. It is probably a little bit kitsch and a little bit, maybe a bit cliched as well. But overall, yeah. really enjoyable. It's good. It's it's like for me, it's like a middle of the range. Where's Anderson? Yeah. Solid sort of. Film. It's not amazing. It well, it's it's good. You know what I mean? But it's not like top tier for me. And it, yeah. but it's not like it's not the worst by any means. Yeah. Just right in the middle there. Good soundtrack again. Lots of the kinks. He's like the kinks. Yeah. Seven. There's a lot of seven. For me, like it goes like seven and nines, and there's an eight, but that's it. This is an eight for me. Yeah, this is yeah seven for me. Next up, before we do that, actually, yeah. before this film, there was a short film that came out called Hotel Chevalier. There was. Did you see it? No, we had this conversation last week. I wasn't sure you've seen it since then. Yeah, no, okay, no. So it's a 13 minute film with Jason Schwartzman's character, Natalie Portman. And Natalie Portman. That's why I haven't seen it. So I'll give you a brief oh, of that. Not so a basically, fan. <laughs> Jason Schwartzman's in a hotel in Paris. Hotel Chevalier. I believe so. And um, does that mean hotel horse? Chevalier horseman. So he's in this yellow room mm. with the yellow bed covers in his yellow pajamas, mm. and he's picked up his yellow phone mm. to ring for room service. When he puts the phone down, the phone rings again. And he picks it up, and it's Natalie Portman, and says, "I'm here. Can I come up?" He's like, "Who told you you can come here? I didn't say you can come here." And you're like, "Ooh, who's this person?" Yeah. Puts the phone down. She comes up anyway. Turns out they're like husband and wife, mm. and he'd run away. Mm. And then they have this sort of strange almost like really tense dialogue and then they just sort of like end up getting back together and kissing and they go and stand in the balcony for a bit and that's the end of it now this is this is good now you won't have to watch it well it's only 30 minutes long so this is good because actually um i don't think this is even once mentioned during the film and he talks about his love life quite a bit so it makes you think that this this hotel chevalier was just an excerpt from his diary that he'd made up yeah. So it's probably like a fantasy. So basically, the Jason Schwartzman character from this short is the same person as in yes. Dodgy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're saying it's a fact. Who it's creates these fantasy, fantasies, yeah. yeah, and sort of plays them out and like pretends yeah. that they're true. Yeah. That's interesting, yeah. I would like to see more short films from him, actually. Yeah, there's a couple. From Owen, um, not Owen Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> there is another one. I forgot the name of it. It's, is it the advert one? There's an advert one, which is quite interesting, actually. Um, is it for Versace or something like that? I don't know. I can't remember. But there's another one, which is um, about this rally driver oh. in Italy. That's got um. It might be Luke Wilson. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's one of the Wilsons. It? <laughs> it was, it's one of the actors that he yeah. uses anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Angelica Houston. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What, what was next? After Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um. So look. I think it is. Fantastic. Yes, it is Fantastic Mr. Fox. This is this is this is a great film. This is this is top three for me. Third place. Okay. Great film. Brilliant animation. I think. Um, Again, stop motion. Yeah, but done really well. It's done well in Isle of Dogs, obviously, but for me, this is better. It's a familiar story. It's based on the Roald Dahl book. But I think he takes certain liberties with it. He extends it further. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't follow the same no. script. There's, well, there's the same. Um, I think like the first act is similar. Do you know what I mean? Like he's going to rob these three, but like that's it. Like, yeah, after that, like, after takes that, his own turn. It's his own film. Yeah, but it's it's, it's a first time collaboration between him and George Clooney, who plays mm-hmm. the lead of Mr. Fox. Um, Meryl Streep in it as well. I think it's a great film. Really enjoyed it. I've watched it a couple of times. It's only about ninety minutes. So you can bash through it. I think it's even less watch than it, that, isn't it. Watch mm-hmm. it twice in three hours if you want. Yeah, you could. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think it's great. Um, obviously, there's loads of animals playing all the all or all the different characters. Mm. The, uh, the all the cuss. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so one of the great things is that in the obviously again, it's a kids' film. They don't swear. So what happens is they'll say like, "What the cuss are you talking about? Yeah. You mother cusser." Yeah, cuss you. <laughs> and the bit as well where they become like feral and they're like fighting, like Arr! like that's good. It's good stuff. Yeah. So good. the thing with this film is obviously it's because it's Roald Dahl. It's um, if you don't know who that is, it's a, an author who write in, who writes in Britain. Yeah, he's dead now, but yeah. Oh, well, he wrote in Britain. Yeah. And um, so famous. all of the, the farmers and stuff and the humans are all English. Yeah. Whereas the animals are all, like, American. Uh, yeah. Didn't notice that. Yeah. 
I've only seen it about six times. Yeah. <laughs> Roald Dahl's also done the Twits and Charlie Juggle Factory. Charlie, yeah, that's probably the most famous. Yeah. BFG, yeah. So all Roald Dahl. Check them out. They should make films of those, really. Yeah. Yeah. If only they had. Yeah. Um, Wes, so, Wesmond, we need you. Yeah. So really good. Where, where does this, where does this go for you? Then? Uh this one actually ranks sixth for me. Six out of nine. I've only seen it once. Yeah. So oh. that could be why. Yeah, yeah. So what are you giving it out of ten? I'll give this one probably a seven. Yeah. I'll give it an eight. High eight. Okay. Um, next up is your favorite Moonrise Kingdom. I've only seen this once, and it's weird. I mean, they're all weird, mm. but so this one features two child leads, mm. and they're. Pr- Pretty much unknown, I think. Yeah, yeah. I never, I didn't know. Yeah, so it's basically, it seems to be on. Uh, uh, to be honest, I've only seen this one once as well. And the yeah. plot skipped me a little bit. So basically, <laughs> it's on this island where there's a camp run by I think Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson's not in any more of this. <laughs> yeah, is he not? Luke Wilson's done. Don't no, he's, def- he's definitely Wilson. in Grand Budapest. A short, a short feature cameo. Is he? Yeah. I should not own it. Genuinely. Do you know the difference between Luke and Owen was? They are different people. Wow. When you when you watched um, Bottle Rock with me, you were like, wow, is that the same actor? It's amazing putting two parts together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Anyway, Moonrise King. Yeah, it's like these two children, like literally children, they're like ten. Yeah, yeah. And they fall in love and they run away. But the island One like, of them I think she goes to this really posh girl and she's got her parents have a big mansion. The other one he's in some sort of army kind of camp there with your scouts or something like that yeah. and they both they both run away together and the whole world's chasing after them well the whole island yeah the whole island and then, um, they, yeah. and then think, they, they get found and then they're like oh no you can't be together and then they're like we want to be together and then there's a storm and then they end up together so this one I think this one right, I think it sort of brings it back you've got family again because it's all about leaving their families yeah. and I Broken think this families. one right, I think this one is Wes Anderson's fantasy yeah. from when he was a kid something yeah. he wanted to do was run away yeah. because I imagine that kind of camp thing is what he was probably subjected to as a kid yeah um, but again like broken estranged families because I think is Sam the main, the main kid does he have parents or is he an orphan he's an orphan I think okay, yeah, so yeah. He, he, there's that and then the girl she's got a mother and a father but it's Francis McDormand and Bill Murray and Bruce Willis is in this film yeah, he is. but uh, her mother is having an affair with Bruce Willis so over Bill Murray like I don't know, Bill Murray's way better than Bruce Willis. To be fair, Bill Bruce, Murray... Bruce Willis looks like a tic-tac. There was also an affair... Bill Murray's a victim in Wizards and Films. In The Royal Tenenbaums, Bill Murray is married to um, Margot, Margot, played by Gwyneth Paltrow. He's having an affair with her brother, Luke Wilson, I think. Yeah, exactly. And he loses the girl in uh, Life Aquatic because he fancies the same one as his son and she chooses the oh, son. Yeah. But the son dies, so he wins in the end. And he misses the train in Darjeeling. He does, yeah. He does. Which is not really a romance, and he's, but... And he's a badger in... Fantastic. <laughs> so, a happy badger though. Yeah. Um, yeah, he has a rough ride. In, you know, there's only bottle rocking where he doesn't get it rough and he's not even in it, so <laughs> that's good. Is Luke Wilson in it? <laughs> I think he might be. Okay, so Moonrise is your least favourite, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't like it. Well, I didn't know. I, I feel like it takes, like, I like all of his films. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it, maybe I, I need to watch it again. We're going to watch them all soon. Put it so. this way. I, I think I'd watch this one after having watched, like, maybe four good ones in a row. Yeah. And so yeah. maybe if I watch this one again, I might change my mind about it. Yeah. Maybe watch Isle of Dogs before this one, then. <laughs> Better. Um, yeah. So, so this, the, this ranks ninth for me. So you're giving this seven. A seven. So still... It's still, still high. good, yeah. 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 So I, I would also give it a seven. Um, it's mid-range, but, like, it's worse than Moonrise for me. And, mm. But anyway, now we get to the best one. I think it's... Is it your favourite as well? It's my number one, yep. Grand Budapest. I think it's... Pro- anyone who likes Wes Anderson on a surface level this is probably their favourite even though yeah. we're not on a surface level but put it this way like if you, if you were to sort of mention this the name of this film The Grand Budapest Hotel 
people probably like, oh yeah I know that film yeah, it, it, ha- yeah. it was his most critically successful financially mm. and we've talked about this we'll talk we'll talk about other dogs but when this was made I think it was such a huge success they've gone to Wes Anderson right you make what you want to make and I said this to you it's weird that he's decided to make a stop because he could have made anything do you know what I mean a massive he could have done it. I mean massive's not he could have done Star Wars no but do you know what I mean he could have done any original idea he wanted this the Isle of Dogs must have been something he'd been he wrote years ago and thought right if I ever get the chance and he sort of can't it just seems strange to me that that's what he's chosen to make after that massive success because mm. I think Isle of Dogs might fall it's not going to be a massive um, financial success I don't think maybe not no but anyway Grand Budapest Grand Budapest okay so this one is sort of set in three time frames yeah. we talked about this last week because it was did. my film of 20 oh we did yeah so we'll yeah. briefly mention it yeah so basically it's it's set in three different time frames it was also my favourite but I couldn't choose <laughs> first so yeah. just yeah yeah so um, we'll, 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 one of them is like a guy telling a story inside this story we have Jude Law talking to F who is the young version of the old guy telling the story right so we find yeah. out I guess Jude Law is talking to this guy who's in this empty hotel in this fictional town empty-ish it's, yeah. not, it's not like freak. The Shining yeah I forget the name of the, the city it becomes a Z I think it's in this is fictional it, is country Budapest <laughs> that's not no no it's a fictional country in a fictional in it's a, like Eastern Europe in Eastern yeah. Europe yeah yeah and basically it's a sort of purple hotel they live in and anyway um, the guy who's the owner of this almost empty hotel he takes his back to when the hotel was like thriving and at the time the um I forgot the name of the, of the word the, the, if it was a museum it would be curator but in the hotel uh, it's the like manager but he's like the he's like the he runs the affairs of the hotel basically yeah he's the major D yeah. Yeah, yeah so Ray Fiennes is, is it this... all pair no that's all okay um, am I making words up yeah we should probably look it up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah he's, he's, the, he's the guy who sort of runs the affairs of the hotel the maitre d' of the hotel the big man on campus yeah the big cheese yeah and he's kind of like you've got this infatuation with like old women yeah, um, yeah. they one, have an infatuation with him yeah yeah one of them there's an implied <laughs> sexual relationship yeah, which, yeah. which luckily isn't delved into it's too not, much it's not on screen yeah. at least anyway she's killed very quickly yeah so this woman dies and he goes out to visit Tilda Swinton it is is it? yeah didn't even know that Mate, Tilda not, Swinton yeah but you're not very good with actors we've learned this today you're not very good with <laughs> well anyway Tilda Swinton passes on and he goes no it's not it is Tilda Swinton okay it is right. you just right, so he, go, he, he goes on to the um, to the where the will has been read by our good old friend Jeff Goldblum and it turns out that almost everything's left or the, everything's left to different people and he gets this picture of these two women no, it's a boy with an apple. Boy, Have you seen this film? It's been a while, sorry. Boy, <laughs> boy with an apple gets left to him. And it's and worth, the family it's worth is, like millions. The family's it? furious. Adrian Brody, is he the son? And Adrian Brody's he's a, furious. He's a bad guy. Willem Dafoe's furious. Yeah. Luke I'm, Wilson's furious. <laughs> he's at home going, I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm going to be cast as this guy. <laughs> um, and then we've got... Um, Zero. Zero, who's, who's F. Murray Abraham's... <laughs> Younger self. I think I said this last week. It's really convoluted when you try to explain it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he, he follows the maitre d' Ray finds everywhere and he Stop. falls in love with this Shersha Ronan yeah. who Joe's also in love with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she works in this bakery. She's great. She's great. <laughs> Shersha Ronan. She's also single. Shersha Ronan. And same age as me. Well, that's all we have And friend, friends with... Uh, Oops. That was a good save. A very good save. The laptop fell. She's also friends with, um, what do you call it, ginger guitar player? Ed Sheeran. That's the one, yeah. Maybe I'll ask him to introduce us. Because <laughs> we know him very well. Yeah. He's a good mate of ours. Ed, yeah. I, Ed, I call him Ed. Yeah. Yeah. I call him She Ran. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. 
But that's not important that she's with Sher- he's with Churchill. Let's not mention it for you. Yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> just to bring you back into the, game, the competition again. Thanks. Um, yeah, so and then they're on the run. And then they get sent to prison. And then they escape from prison. <laughs> Harvey Keitel's in it. He's good. He's really good. He's hilarious. Actually. You know, like, Wes Anderson has obviously his recurring people. But, like, every so often he has these people that's just like, Bruce Willis will pop up. And George Clooney. And then Harvey Keitel. And I'm, like, well, Keitel's great. in this one. And he's in Our Dogs. Oh, yeah. He plays the guy with half a face. Yeah. The dog with half a face. Two face. Harvey yeah. Dent. Yeah. Mr. Cattell. Anyway, um, and then they escape from prison, and then they're on the run, and then how does it how does it end? I remember. There's a big shootout in the hotel. Edward Norton is in it. Owen Wilson's in it. Yeah, all the actors apart from Luke Wilson who ever had a, a, a role in any of his films yeah. came with a little cameo at this shootout yeah. in the hotel. Because oh, and also because when they escape from prison, he rings like the Society of Cross Keys, which is all of the we still haven't found the word for it, but all of the people who have the same job as him in all these other hotels. Yeah. So you got all these people who have been in his other films, like Bill Murray. And there's the Indian guy who's the conductor of Darjeeling Limited. Yeah. So it's really, yeah, it's, it's a nice, it's like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah, you kind of recognize If you don't know it, just, it doesn't make sense. He's just the famous so. actors, but if you know who they are, like Bill Murray yeah. rings Owen Wilson, who yeah. rings. Yeah, you know. yeah, it's great. Um, Jason Schwartzman's in it as well, when it's like Jude Law times. This is so convoluted trying to explain, yeah, but yeah. it's really good. It's not convoluted to watch. It's it like, it's, it's it makes sense. It's great. Yeah. Oh, the bit when um, Willem Dafoe gets sent, he's like, he's like the enforcer of Adrian Brody, mm. and he gets sent to kill Jeff Goldblum. And like he, he sort of they're having this like walking chase through a museum, mm. and then Jeff Goldblum thinks he's escaped, and then like he, like Willem Dafoe like slams a door in his hand, and his fingers just get like chopped clean off. It's freezing cold. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also he throws his cat out the window. That's really funny. Do you throw a cat out the window? Yeah, and it just yeah. yeah. Actually, the, the the scenes with Willem Dafoe are really great. There's a bit after that when he's chasing Zero and Ray Fiennes on the ski thing. On yeah. the ski thing, and there's a scene that. I would almost venture to say it's in every single Wes Anderson film where they're on some sort of chair lift um, going across the zip line and they go from they go from uh, left to right on the screen it happened various times in Out of Dogs so they're all no, I'm trying to think like specifically in a chair lift or just the movement of the camera you're talking about the chair lift yeah well not in all it happens in a lot of his films yeah yeah Okay. Um, but yeah it happens several times in Out of Dogs but it happens yeah. here in the film as well they go from left to right and it almost looks like it's not real yeah well Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> it almost would seem. Yeah. How did they get across me? I mean, <laughs> who's to say? You know, it's just Luke Wilson's probably in the <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for me, this is a 10 out of 10. This is a 10 out of 10. Also film. for me, yeah. yeah. I knew I was going to like the film when I. One of the opening scenes is like. The, so this guy's talking directly to the camera. Yeah. And he's like, um, so it all happened you know, 50 years yeah. ago. And as he's speaking, like his little boy runs into the room and shoots him with a gun. He goes, get out of here! <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was the first Wes Anderson film I saw. And like I say, it's a good it's a good entry level one. It might be a bit quirky for some people. So if it is, don't give up on Wes. Watch Royal Tenenbaums and mm. then see. But um, this one. The score is amazing. It's the same as Fantastic Mr. Fox, where usually he has quite a lot of popular music in, like the Kinks and things like that. These two, Fantastic Mr. Fox and Grand Budapest, don't. It has like an original score, but it's so quintessential of like mm. what it is like. As soon as I hear uh, even a little bit, like there's so many light motifs, like the Zero's theme and things yeah. like that, you think of Grand Budapest straight away. Um, and that's another thing Wes does really well. He's not just great visually, but like like the the, the audio, mm. the sound. Great. One of the things that is, uh, in this film, the camera is really clever. So, like, yeah. there's loads of little quirky bits of camera movement that you don't quite notice. There's one scene that sort of sticks out in particular, <clears throat> and it's um, Edward Norton, who's a, who's a police officer police, or, yeah. or some sort of law enforcement anyway. He comes into the hotel to see um, Ray Fiennes, and um, he runs, he sort of, you, you have the, the, sc- the screen you have <laughs> is sort of right, almost really close to Edward Norton, and he's sort of about like five or six policemen. Yeah. And 
Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes comes down the stair, which is right in front of us, all the way down, walking towards the camera, towards Edward Norton. The camera doesn't move. The camera just stays completely still, and um, Edward Norton's like, there's been a murder, da da da, and he goes, oh, you think it's me? And then like the music stops, everything goes silent, and he just runs back Turns up the stairs run, again, yeah. and the camera stays still. <laughs> it just seems so, yeah. so odd, but brilliant. This is this film, uh, like I sort of mentioned before, is, this is perfect Wes Anderson. Like he's, cra- he's, he's perfected the camera, the production design, everything. Like this is... Like I said, 10 out of 10, it's perfect. Mm. This is the quintessential Wes Anderson film for me. Yeah, I, I agree, 10 out of 10. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, we've, we've kind of, I suppose, ranked them, I suppose. We've already, there's no point in going through it again, I guess. So, yeah, I mean. Grand Budapest top for me, Isle of Dogs is bottom for me. For me, Grand Budapest top and Moonrise Kingdom bottom. But like we say, none of them are bad. There's just different degrees of good. Yeah, I'd say Wes, Wes Anderson's one of the few directors, there's a few, Wes Anderson's one of them that I could watch any film. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino's another for me. Quentin Tarantino, probably the Coen Brothers, Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan, yeah. Denis Villeneuve. Uh, Enemy's not very good, didn't like Enemy. It makes no sense. Scared of spider, aren't you? I am very... Yeah, I tried to watch it, watch the first two minutes and the spiders and I turned it off and then a year later I'm like, right, I'm just going just gonna to get Skip through. the first scene. No, the thing is, after that, there's not even that many spiders until the end when there's a massive spider. The spider, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes... it still. I've, I've seen the film and I still don't understand what happened. So, I mean, there's a spider, but it makes no sense... It represents something, but who knows? Anyway, where's Anderson? Done. 2012, me versus you. Let's go for it, Joe. Have you decided what you're doing? I, I, I have it. Why? Well, I decided about two hours ago and I forgot what it was now. Was it Dark Knight Rises? It was Dark Knight Rises, that's right. <laughs> Obviously, his favourite film of the year because he remembered it. But go on, do you want to go first? This was wanna... a poor year for films, I'd say. It was. We both, we both struggled a little bit. The, 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 ones I've, the one I've chosen, I've very much enjoyed. Tell I, that you've chosen. Jo- I've chosen Django Unchained. The, Django Unchained? The third best Quentin Tarantino film, but that's because Inglourious Bastards is amazing and Pulp Fiction is amazing. So okay. Django is a close third. This is one of the worst Christopher Nolan films. But it, it, is, still, yeah, it, it is. still beats the Django Unchained. Say, well, actually, you're saying that Interstellar's worse. Following's worse. That's it. So yeah, yeah. Right, okay. One, one okay. Put it this way: in my film, there is a better villain than in my film. Yeah, I totally disagree. Okay, so go on. Tell me why. Okay, well, talk about why your villain's good. You can't just not back up. Bean, played by Tom Hardy. Yeah. I bet you could quote about ten lines from Bean. I can't, I can't think of any. I was born in the dark. There's one, right? There's one, right? Let's not stand on ceremony, Mr. Wong. Okay, two. There's two. Um, <laughs> let's not, let's not bother with There's, 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 there's loads of Yeah, there's loads of <laughs> You're not thinking of the Joker. He's, no, I'm not. He's, he's a really good villain. Okay, we'll we'll get to that later, but... I don't know how I got these scars. Is that John Malkovich? No, it was John Jaffix. You want to know how I got these scars? Alright, go on then. Why is Bane good? Bane's, Bane's better because, okay, he's instantly quotable. What's his motivation? His motivation? He loves that princess. <laughs> Razzle Ghoul's daughter. Yeah, but you don't find that out until like the last five minutes. So why do you need to know his motivation? You just know he's, he's this terrible, he's bad. terrible guy. Yeah, I do enjoy villains who are just villainous for the sake of being villainous. But do you mean, do we always know what people's motivation are? Was Putin's motivation? To rule the world. <laughs> I think he's in love with the princess. <laughs> what was Hitler's motivation? Um, that's not. That's okay. <laughs> you want to be in films? Yeah, yeah. Right, so instantly quotable bad guy, right? Terrifying, like 
super strong, Tom Hardy great performance, although that's probably debated by most people. But uh, mm. um, second thing, Christopher Nolan, simple as Hans Zimmer soundtrack, like great acting from everybody, great story. And then third reason. I'm thinking that was why not is um, well computer- he always he always does this you'll notice if you listen back he goes three reasons and he, he'll list off the first two and go hmm. <laughs> three was a right, nice round number in my head but the I third one is right is the fantastic conclusion to a great trilogy okay um, can I ask a question no okay so when <laughs> so you know when um, spoiler Batman gets his back, back broken and then he climbs out the well whatever that's fine how does he get back into Gotham? He's Batman, man. And also, but also, but he's not at that time because he hasn't got his Batman suit on. So he's Bruce Wayne. He's why? Bruce Wayne. Why does he take the time to draw a massive bat signal on a bridge in flammable liquid to then light it up? And it lasted about ten. Why did he waste his time? People will have died in the time it took him to go and draw a bat signal on the bridge. Can I give you one word? Dramaticness. Four le- four four letters. Go on then. Hope, mate. Hope. But people will have died in the time it took them to Aye, but mate, hope. Yeah. He, he, people will but have this di- is the... Are you seeing it capped off a good trilogy? And obviously Dark Knight is one of the best films of all time. This was the worst film in the trilogy by some distance. It's too long. It's far too long. But I'm not going to prey on that too much because my film is very long. <laughs> um, it's far too long. And it's the worst... It's the worst Dark Knight film. I'm not gonna say worst Batman film because Batman 1989 is a load of trash. <laughs> I don't. And people say it's great. It's trash. I agree. It's the worst film in the trilogy, but it's still better than the Django Unchained. It's Unchained. Not, it's not, is it? It is. Well, go on. Let's go to Django then. Well, mine's about slavery and racism. So, All right. Yeah. So I win. Excellent. Um, no. Okay. So mine is the third best film made by Quentin Tarantino, and that's saying something because he's had eight films and they've all been great. This yeah. is the third best Batman film made by Christopher Nolan. Of the three, yeah. Um, it's two hours and 45 minutes. Oof, so oof, so, so if you're enjoying it, so much to enjoy. <laughs> yeah. um, it's got a great soundtrack. Uh, Jamie Foxx, who I don't normally like, and I still don't really like, but I, I like him in this film. Now, you're talking about villains, right? Leonardo DiCaprio, okay? Cappuccino. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who, who doesn't usually do villains, did a, an, an amazing villain, right? I would say, I'm not going to say it, put him in all the Tarantino villains because there's some good ones. But he's up there, right? Great villain. Playing against type. You never really say Lou as a villain. He should have won the Oscar. But he only didn't because Hans Lander, the guy who played Hans, Christoph Waltz won it for some reason. Samuel L. Jackson's in it. So there you go. But he's, he's not playing a badass mother effer. He's playing an old, doddery old man. But he's still a, he's still a villain. Um, what else? What else? Give, give, me, give me like, you know, sort of three quotable lines from Leo in that film. Why? Why? Quotability is not what it's all about, okay. is it? Right. Okay, right. Name another. Name three. No, Darth Vader is quite quotable. Darth Maul is a great villain. Name three quotes that he did. He's a silent kind of What's guy. What's the world exactly? <laughs> Why are you bringing up Star Wars, man? Right, I'm not yeah. arguing for Star Wars. Did you know in the scene? Sorry, in the scene where they're at the dinner table and he finds out that Broomhilda is his is this fella's wife, the Django, and he um he, he sort of he cuts his hand. That was real. He actually cut his wow. hand. Committed to. He should have won the Oscar just for that. I'd cut my hand to win an Do you know Oscar. that when um, I think it's Alfred blows his nose in Batman the Dark Knight Rises? Mm. He really blows his nose. It's an actual snot. Yeah. That's what I got to do with me. Snot just makes a better film. Do you Michael Caine impression? Master White. Master White. Ever since you was a young boy, I looked after you. Mm. Rachel's not in this one. So that's a positive for you. She's <laughs> terrible. Um... No, I'm sorry. Django was way better. Like it is. Like like it is though. You haven't given me a good reason why, mate. 
You haven't given a good reason okay, why yours so is better than mine. The best character in the film, probably, is Leonardo DiCaprio, right? He's in it for about Calvin 40, Candy. He's in it for about 45 minutes of the three-hour running. Bane's in yours. Right, okay. Your film is two and a half hours long. Bane has about 15 minutes of screen time. And every single minute is pure gold, mate. You can't understand what he's saying. He's got a pretty asthma mask on. Oh, I was born in the dark, Mr. Bane. Sorry, you don't need to shout to win your argument. Like You can just, you can just argue. Can't even tell give, give me some good points that. instead. <laughs> but anyway, let's let the listeners decide, shall we? <laughs> the listeners. Yeah, um, but it's, it's. I mean, come on. To be fair, mate, what do they know? You know what's going to be difficult? So we get in the 2008 year and we both want to do The Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. So we'll you have to do Rocket. You can have it, mate. All right, okay, what are you going to do? Iron Man. <laughs> you see, you're saying that you don't know what else was out Cloverfield? there. Cloverfield? I think... In Bruges might have been out there. Oh, maybe not. I didn't. Cloverfield. Okay. Let's move on anyway to the blatant refuse. Is it? No, it's not. It's the blatant review. It's the blatant review. Don't but jump it, ahead. But to be fair, both of these are you because I haven't seen this week. So I'm going to get coffee. No, no. It's uh, we're doing in Bruges. Oh, yeah, we are. So oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay. Go on then. <laughs> Kick us off. So in Bruges is a film written and directed by Martin McDonough. Yeah. Who also did. This was his first film. Oscar-winning Martin McDonough. Yeah, well, what did he win an Oscar for? He hasn't won an Oscar. He has won an Oscar. He hasn't. What did he win an Oscar for? He won an Oscar for something he made before in Bruges. Did he? Was it a short film? Ah, oh, see semantics. <laughs> semantics. It's not see, an Oscar. See, you were trying to trick us because you, because you knew that I know he didn't win for three billboards, <laughs> and Francis McDormand and Sam Rockwell did win. So you, there was a trap. It's a trap. Okay, go on. It's a trap. So yeah. Oscar winning um, <laughs> this was his first feature length film yeah, and yeah. his best he's normally well before this he was yeah. go on yeah. no no go on he wrote um, stage script yeah stage plays yeah that was a good thing the word so he did this Seven Psychopaths and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing Missouri that's his three films yeah and In Bruges in my opinion is far and away the best I think you're not... You no, know. I'd, I'd go for three billboards, but this is a good film. Yeah, very funny, this film, isn't it? Very funny. Yeah, so it's like, you've got... It's a dark comedy. Start off, you've got Colin Farrell, and you find out he's a hitman, and he has been told to flee to Bruges after his first hit has gone sour. But you don't find out. What it is. Okay, so he gets to Bruges, and it's him him, and um, Brendan, Gleeson. Brendan Gleeson. They're the two hitmen. We find out Brendan Gleeson's kind of like a father figure to him, always yeah. kind of a friend. But he's a hitman as well, isn't he? The Both hitmen. Hitmen. Gleeson... Is kind of a lot more mature, sort of in all kind of senses. Yeah. He's in Bruges, he's enjoying the culture, he's having you know some of the nice yeah. food and all kind of stuff, enjoying the old sights. Whereas Colin, Colin Farrell is like fed up. He's like, yeah. I want to get out of here. Bruges is terrible. Yeah. It's an absolute yeah. joke. Yeah. Um, we find out they're waiting for a call from Ray Fiennes, a very very different character. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty similar to him in Grand Budapest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like this sort of uh, Cockney hard man. You're my yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's like he's waiting for a call from him to find out what to do next. So the first, I said, there's three. It's about an hour and a half long. There's three thirty-minute periods, three acts. The first one is just them kind of having a bit of a laugh in Bruges, yeah. um, sort of exploring their relationship a bit. We kind of find out a little bit of what about Colin Farrell's first hit how that went. Not well. Not well, well at all. So he was assigned to go kill a priest in the confession box, mm-hmm. and it went sour. How did it go, Sergio? He accidentally killed a kid. He killed a little boy. So this. Yeah. One of his shots, I think we went through the guy and hit a little boy in the face. I can't remember. Yeah, so you can't see his brain hanging out a bit, kind of disgusting, really. And so he's sort of filled with guilt from this. As they're going around some of the museums in Bruges, he's seeing like pictures of like hell and stuff like that, and he's really yeah. terrified he's going to go to hell for a little boy in, in, a, in a church. And uh, Gleason's kind of like trying to console him, make sure he doesn't kill himself. Yeah. Uh, the next sort of investment in the plot we have is that. We're fine. No, I'm sorry. Colin Farrell goes on a date with this 
Canadian, not Canadian. Um, she's like French, isn't she? Flemish know. actress, I yeah. think. She, she's the girl who plays Fleur de la Cour in the Harry Potter films. There we are. So yeah, you go on a date with her after she. She's in in Bruges filming this dwarfish film. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into the dwarves in a minute, yeah. right? So she's in Bruges filming this film with dwarves, and he's on a date with her. That he's bumped into her. He's kind sort of convinced her that he's this nice guy, and he was on a date with her. While he's on the date, the phone rings. Ray Fine calls. Gleason picks it up, and he's told, "I want you to kill Colin Farrell's character." Yeah. Well, Colin Farrell almost shoots himself, doesn't he? With guilt. Does. Yeah, I think there's, there's quite. If, if anyone's seen anything about this film, there's a still where. Colin Farrell sat, got a gun to his head, and Brendan Gleeson's behind him with a gun to his head, and that's the still you're probably seeing. But neither of them shoot Colin Farrell. Yeah, so, <laughs> so Gleeson doesn't shoot him, and he he stops Farrell from killing himself as well because he cares about him, doesn't he? He's got like yeah, he's like yeah. a father figure. <laughs> and then like so later on in the film, um, uh, boss man Ray Fiennes calls up and says, "So did you do it?" He goes, "No, no, I didn't do it." The boy's suicidal. He goes, "All oh, right, okay." He tried to kill himself, but I stopped him. You didn't kill him, and you stopped him killing himself. <laughs> so what kind of hitman are you? Yeah. So then he tells him to like run, and he puts him on a train. Mm. Um, but then he comes back. He comes back because he gets found out by this Canadian guy who he'd beat up. Yeah. He punched in the face in a restaurant for yeah. because of the Vietnamese. Yeah. So there's a lot of sort of I would say hilarious dialogue. Oh, it's, it's really funny. This is really Colin funny. Farrell's best film by a million miles. Have you seen Total Recall? I haven't. <laughs> no. no. Um, so yeah, it's like. Everything is found in Colin Farrell's facial expressions. His eyebrow yeah. movement is like it sort is. of squirming, and is like it might sound like it's quite a flippant film, but it's actually like it's really good. Like I recommend this to anyone. Hmm. It's okay. So there's a lot of funny dialogue. There's a, um, a scene where some Americans are contemplating going up the top of the bell tower, yeah. and he advises them not to because they're a bit overweight, yeah. and they get Rotund quite offended. Americans, <laughs> yeah, stereotypical Americans, and they get in a bit of a fight, but he kind of wins because they get out of breath. They kind of <laughs> Yeah, and the bell tower obviously comes back into it. So yeah. Ray Fiennes comes to Bruges to kill Colin Farrell. Um, Brendan Gleeson sort of confronts him. They go up the bell tower and Brendan Gleeson jumps off. So because Colin Farrell comes back and he's trying to warn him. So yeah, the reason Gleeson jumps off is because Colin Farrell's back in Bruges and Gleeson's about to die and he's been shot in the neck. Yeah, yeah. And he, he threw himself off the bell tower to get the attention of Colin Farrell. So he, he'll realise that he's yeah. being tracked down by yeah. uh, Rafe. Ari. Yeah. yeah. And then, but for some reason, he just kind of stands around until Rafe Fiennes comes down. Mm. And then Rafe Fiennes kind of chases him. And it's quite funny. Um, so basically, he comes where he kind of he shoots Colin Farrell a couple of times and he's sort of bleeding and that. Yeah. And he go, he's at the set where there's the Flemish girl was filming with the dwarf. Mm. And we've met previously in the film. There's, there's, a, nice guy. there's a thing we've actually neglected to mention, which is very important. Yeah. So the reason that Colin Farrell came back to Bruges is because as he was trying to leave Bruges, um, he got brought back to Bruges by the police because of an offence he'd committed. Right. That is important. Okay. So then, go on, sorry, he's on the set being chased by Ray Fiennes. Fiennes. been shot, bleeding. Um, and throughout the film, you know, obviously Colin Farrell killed the kid and Ray Fiennes is like, you know, you don't do that. You don't kill a kid. Do you know what I mean? That's like, that's the that's the line. Obviously it's a line, but he, he says it many times. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you kill a kid, far. kill yourself. Yeah, basically. So... Um, they go to the set he's sort of they're not on purpose but he's chasing he's running and the the dwarf who we've met uh, is dwarf the politically correct I don't know whatever he wants to be called dwarf not minion right okay minion minion and for whatever reason the scene he's dressed as a boy and then Ray Fiennes accidentally shoots this dwarf through the head so mm. his face is gone so he thinks he's killed a kid 
So he shoots him through, through the head. Yeah. And it's horrible, but it's it's funny. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, the way it's shot and everything. Yeah. And then Colin Farrell's kind of passing out and the ambulance quickly comes. And the last scene is sort of like from his perspective in the hospital bed, or in the um, ambulance, they're looking up and he's thinking, oh, great, so here's my existence now. I'm either going to survive and go to jail in Belgium. Yeah. Or I'm going to basically die, like, from a wound. In Bruges. Yeah, in Bruges. <laughs> so it's like a... Cash it's a no win, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bringing it back. But this is a great film. I would give this a strong 9 out of 10. This Recommend this to anyone. I give it an 8, but I very much enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. Blatant Refuse. Ah, it's time for the good old Blatant Refuse. Right, Joe, I'm going to get... See if you can guess this one, right? Okay. I'll give you some excellent... Maybe you should do this every week. Give me like, a couple of clues and see if I can guess what it is. Okay, so... Starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Is it Rampage? Coming out this year. Is it Rampage? It's not Rampage. Is it... Oh, there's, there's actually two. Okay. I wish I hadn't said Rampage twice. <laughs> You've got one guest left on your three. <laughs> okay, uh, what's it called? Is is it Skyscraper? Skyscraper. Is that what it's called? Because yeah, yeah. he's also got one coming out called Jungle Cruise, but I don't know if that's this year or next year. Oh dear. Okay, go on. Tell me about so basically Skyscraper. Skyscraper, right? Here's, here's the interesting thing about Skyscraper. It's coming in July, right? But the plot is currently kept under wraps. Are you sure? Because there's been a trailer. Mm. Mm. There's, there's, literally, if you go on IMDb, it says plot kept under wraps. Mm. Okay. The only thing I know about it is there's a bit from the trailer. Where, so basically, he's got a prosthetic leg. I don't know if you knew that. I haven't seen Dwayne's really. character's mm. got a prosthetic leg. And there's a bit where he's on a crane next to the top of the skyscraper. And he runs along the skyscraper and jumps, right? Now, I'm not a physicist. But this crane is far too far away from the skyscraper. With two legs, he's not making this. But I know the thing's... Got, so basically, in the trailer, he jumps and it's like, oh, like that's the end of the trailer. And you know in the film he's not going to drop to his death. But like if you look at the trajectory of what he drums, it's just going to be like, woo! Oh, like, he's <laughs> he's got die. a prosthetic leg? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that, that's literally Do you think he's going for the, uh, the Oscar? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can only hope. We can only hope. It, more likely for a Razzie, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, Oscar Pistorius. Okay, so like... tell, tell, me, tell me why. Oh my God, imagine if it's an Oscar Pistorius biopic. <laughs> Okay, tell me about this film. Well, the plot's kept in the wraps, mate. But all I can say is, like, it's a bit of hostage negotiation thing in China. And apparently, well, from what I hear, he's going to try and break in and rescue them all. I think a little bit I've seen from the trailer is, like, the building, like, it's, like, really technologically advanced and someone hacks the building or something. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. That's all I know. Well, here's the reason I'm refusing to watch it. Not just because of the convoluted, ridiculous ideas in the film. one leg. No, because it's it is it's got Dwayne the Rock Johnson in it. Really, and I've realised that any film he's in will oh, be like he's not he, like I can't think of a good film he's in. Like there's films I've watched and I've enjoyed because they're like trash, but there's no good film. The, the best film I've seen him in was Baywatch. No, that was awful. Like, I know. Yeah. Have you seen Jumanji? No. Slightly better. Not good. Really? but Slightly oh, okay. better. Mm. Well, yeah. So basically, anything with Dwayne the Rock Johnson in it, I know to avoid. Same as Scorpion King. Uh, that was good it was alright I suppose same with Zac Efron he's one of the actors I see he's in the film I don't watch it High School Musical 2 3 4 there's not 4 is there uh, not yet no. <laughs> we can only 4 <laughs> yeah, one day no I agree I mean he's a very charismatic guy very likeable but he's not been in a good uh, you know film. what it is actually I enjoy watching if he's on like the Graham Norton show I would watch it I'd tune in yeah. and see what he says but yeah. I wouldn't watch him no act no 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 any more than was he David Beckham act no 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 Definitely not. Or Graham Norton himself. Actually, he's great in fellow Ted. Yeah. But um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson will be president in 2020, so don't you don't have to worry. 
You will. It doesn't matter. We don't live in America. Do what they want. Know, but it's How like... could that be any worse than Donald Trump? Mm. Satirical. <laughs> oh, we're on point at the moment with our political <laughs> stuff, eh? Um, right. Is that the show, then? I think, that's the I think that could be it, my friend. Oh, well, you know, um, the, the thing we often do, a better version of the film would be... Not to make it. No, if I Two were... legs. <laughs> Two legs. No legs! <laughs> Wheelchair, like a crane. Yeah. If, if, if I were in the film. Instead if, of, if you were in the film. Instead of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Well, I'm not being funny, but the only good thing about this film is Dwayne the Rock Johnson. So, like, <laughs> that's, you that's just did the, the one thing. Success yeah. Yeah. But it'll make, it'll make enough money. Well, here's the thing, right? I think he was like the highest grossing actor of one of the years recently. Recently, <laughs> of one of the years that I've been. Yeah, so like, like he was. He was like, I think it was like 2016. Yeah, 16 or 17. He, he made like a billion or something like that. But that's because he was in the Fast and the Furious, which on its own made like a billion dollars. So mm. yes, but he was in about seven. Films, yeah, 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 hundred so yeah. percent. Yeah. 100%, yeah. Um, so he, he makes a lot of money for films. He he is like a golden ticket. If you want a film to make money, put Dwayne the Rock Johnson in it. He's like the anti Nicolas Cage. <laughs> you know. <laughs> But yeah, I think that is the show then. Yeah, yeah? a good a good note to stand to finish on is Nicolas yeah. Cage. So. Yeah, I think we should always aim to end on Nicolas Cage if we mm. can. Um, I'll do the, I'll do the bit this week. So if you want to get in touch, please. <laughs> it's just lose the glasses at gmail dot com, or on Twitter it's at gltgpod. So if you want to get in touch, saying who was you know who put the better case for me versus you, if you want to give us some suggestions, that'd be great. And um, we'll see you next time. What we do? We didn't decide what we'll do next time, did we? We'll decide. Princess Mononoke. No, no, I mean like for the main topic. The films of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bye.